Welcome to Notes on Vulnerability, a podcast designed to put stories of resilience, courage and being human at the heart of the conversation. In each episode of this podcast, I'm speaking to regular people about their experiences with vulnerability. I'm really grateful to everyone who comes on this podcast and is brave enough to talk about vulnerability and the impact that it's had on their lives. If you're not that sure about what vulnerability really is, it's that feeling that you get when you're outside of your comfort zone. It can make you feel exposed, it can make you feel afraid, and it's basically the opposite of curling up in your PJs with a cup of tea and watching Harry Potter films all day. However, although the Harry Potter films might sound like a more attractive option right now, it's only through vulnerability that, as many of you all know, we can find our way to the most amazing things in life, from belonging and connection to love, joy, creativity and personal growth. Before we kick off, I'm just going to outline the definition of vulnerability that we're working to here. And that is letting yourself be seen, stepping outside your comfort zone and into the unknown when you can't control what's going to happen next. In this episode, I'm talking to Ian Finch, a photographer, exhibition guide and former Marine commando. Ian has documented and led expeditions to places as varied as Greenland, Indonesia, Canada and the US. His images capture subtleties of people and cultures, as well as some pretty epic landscapes. I get a lot of inspiration from Instagram and one of Ian's captions that particularly appealed to me and which I thought might be especially telling in terms of the person we're about to hear from was adventure is a need. So Ian, welcome. Hi there. We've settled as a title for this particular episode of the podcast on notes on vulnerability, risking exposure. So in the context of speaking to you, it kind of has a dual meaning. There's emotional exposure in terms of vulnerability and also the physical exposure of being outside in the elements. Which of those do you find the most challenging? Mm. Yeah, I think the emotional aspect is definitely definitely mm. a lot harder to access, sort of the emotional vulnerability, because life in the forces, you're not show, you're not really taught or um, encouraged to be vulnerable because vulnerable effectively is a weakness. Um, well, people think it's a weakness, but I think it's actually a strength. Um, but yeah, to, to show to show that kind of sensitive side of you or be vulnerable um, is not conducive to that kind of male orientated, quite challenging environment. So you you tend to lean on the physical sides of things, um, which yeah obviously now i've got a little bit older um and even though i'm still doing sort of generally quite hard physical trips i'm much more in touch with my being being vulnerable as a man um and also being in touch with my emotions a lot more my feelings um yeah i would i would say it's being in touch with that emotional side is a, is a lot more challenging yeah i think it is for everybody actually um but in terms of these big trips that you do do you think having more emotional vulnerability has given you a new level of resilience for the physical side too? I think being in touch on these big expeditions, because they're so long, um, being in touch with your emotions and how you feel on these trips is is, is ultimately a, the greatest strength, I believe, because the mind moves the body. Um, and if you if you have control over that to some degree, that, that that can that can lead the whole expedition down a completely different path. So if you ever if there's any sort of Sort of not chinks in the armor because everyone has that kind of chink in the armor but if there's any um sort of deep-seated vulnerability there on these trips i think that could maybe jeopardize the outcome of the trip but i think i think on these journeys it's it's 
for me, it's one of those things where you have to take a step back and be like, I'm going to have my vulnerable moments. I'm going to have my weak moments. There's going to be moments when I want to cry. There's going to be moments when there's elation. There's going to be moments when I'm tired and not tired. I think it's um, just being open to sort of that kind of circle of emotions and being happy that that is these things are going to come and go. They're going to ebb and flow and just to accept them. Is there one of your trips where you felt particularly vulnerable? Yeah, one of them in particular, which literally changed the course of my life was, um, you know, I was climbing in the Himalayas. Um, and while we were climbing, I had I got a uh, like a stomach virus, like a gastrovirus. And I was, as you can imagine, being sick and other things were happening to my body at the same time um, for quite a few days. And that made me incredibly dehydrated and incredibly um, exhausted. Um, in, and it just literally completely just took all of the energy from my body. But because we had a weather window to um, get to this area that we were climbing into, I decided to keep pushing on rather than listen to my body. Um, and because of some of the guys that we were with, uh, we'd made a pact that um, whenever, whenever one of us got ill, we would actually, everybody would stay back and just rest and just let that person recover. But I was the last person to get ill um, and we had that weather window. So everybody decided to push on and they asked whether I wanted to go. And I knew that I wasn't very well, but I still decided to go. So this was more the the outside, the, the, the experiences, the Marines, everything was talking, the ego was talking rather than, um, rather than the soul, really. Because I knew I was ill, I knew I had no energy. But when... Um, when I came down from uh, this area that we were climbing in, I got a delayed altitude sickness um, and that cascaded into a huge derailment of physical issues I had where I, I changed the consistency of the fluid in my inner ear. Um, I had massive balance issues because it knocked off my whole balance system in my body, my vestibular system. And it took about three years probably to recover to probably to recover 80%. So I'm not still recovered. And that was in um, 2015. So I don't think I'll ever recover fully. So um, what I took from that was to li listen to the soul, you know, listen to your intuition. Um, and that was a massive hit on my confidence. So I had to sort of, after a while, I had to take, take a sort of a real step back and say, um, I need to be a little bit more perceptive to how I feel, what my body is telling me, um, and not be afraid to uh, take a step back while everyone else is pushing forward and pushing forward, which is that ego marine mentality of keep pushing forward, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but based off the back of that, what happened to me, I started walk wild because, um, because I couldn't climb any mountains because I had mass iron deficiency and exhaustion. I, did, I thought, right, what can I do if I can't climb a mountain? All I can do is at least walk around a local woodland or woodlands near me and still get that hit of nature and that dose of nature and that kind of restorative process of being in nature. I just decided every other day I was going to walk in a woodland that I'd never been in before. And over like six months, eight months, one year, I found that I just felt such at peace in woodlands. Um, and then I started to research and learn about trees and the connectivity between trees and um, fungi and wildlife and everything like that. I fell in love with the inner workings of woodlands and that then led on to what I do now um, with Walk Wild. And sort of in the back of my mind, I, I always say that um, I had to get ill to be doing what I'm now. So there's no negative charge. There's um, there's nothing like that based on that incident in the Himalayas. I think there's only gratitude now because I'd 
I may have swung around to walk wild in another way, but I think that that incident was a catalyst for what I do now. Um, and it's opened my eyes a lot to me as a physical human being. And I'm not that person I used to be as a 23, 24 year old Marine. I'm 42. Um, so now I have to kind of be a little bit more perceptive to how my body responds and, 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 and my intuition. How do you plug into your intuition? Um, I would say walking for me, walking in the outdoors is my meditation. So is it the combination um, of like the physical movement and being in nature or? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's definitely that. It's that walking, um, it's the peace, it's the lack of stimulation in terms of emails, phones, people calling, etc. Um, so that's my walking nature with my meditation. It just slows me down. It brings me into the present. Um, and I think when you slow down, you tend to look more. And then when you look more, you learn more. So it's it, all it is, is just a process of um, probably bringing me into the here and now a little bit more. And it's something that I do every day without fail. I found it quite interesting because you're not exactly going to inaccessible locations. You know, they're sort of near London. Anyone could get there. Um, but a lot of the reviews that you get, like I think one person described it as a, a completely immersive experience, which you would usually associate with, you know, going to Costa Rica and hiking through the jungle or something like that. And I, I thought that was really interesting that you don't actually have to go to these lengths to achieve that level of balance and peace. Is that what, yes. what kind? What do people say to you when when they finish the experience? Are they surprised how how easy it was to get there? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, and a lot of the places that I take people to have a personal connection. So there are some really wild woodlands in terms of like ancient woodlands where I used to camp as a child. So I know them very well. Um, but a lot of the time people come um, because there are other walking groups out there. There are the walking companies out there that take you from A to B. Um, and our, my walks are much more immersive experiences, much more of a, a, part, a passing of knowledge and wisdom um from from sort of knowledge that i've learned from things all over the world in, in in remote places and then i instill some of those bits of knowledge about the outdoors into the experience so people take away something um from that day um and we talk about the inner workings of nature woodlands wildlife um, and then i relate those sort of small teachings with some of the stories that I actually learned from maybe native people in Alaska or Greenland or, or stuff like that. So I intertwine everything to do with that the connection to the outdoors and enhancing the connection to the outdoors. Can you give me an example? Like I know that we're not outdoors at the moment, um, but just to give anyone listening an idea of, of what sets it apart from your average like nature walk. Um, yeah, so I, there, there's some lessons that I learned um, about certain trees um, and the intelligence of trees. So when I was in Alaska, uh, I met a lady uh, on the Yukon River who was telling me about birch trees. And she would tell me about how you can harvest sap from the tree at certain times of year. And each point in the year, the sap is a certain color. So they know each time what the sap can be used for. So it can be used as a kind of like a uh, chewing gum or it can have higher, one part of the year it can have high sugar content. And then the other part of the year, it can have medicinal purposes. And then another time of the year, it can be used to um, make it like into a small putty. Um, and what I loved about it was that the, the native people that I would meet 
over the world, their connection to nature is everything. It's part of their kind of spiritual being. Um, and they, 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 they tend to think of not going into nature. Um, they are part of nature. They're surrounded by nature and they don't use nature. And there's such a respect and um, a reverence for the outdoors. So I would just drop t little stories like that. So people, when they go onto the walks, so I, I see myself as sowing the seed to a much more sort of enriched experience for people when they then go into the outdoors themselves. So rather than just walk through a woodland or walk through a landscape, they they maybe slow down a little bit more and remember certain things that I mentioned um, that, that brings them into the present a little bit more. So do you think that we've, like, as a society, we live in houses, we work in offices, and we were all trapped inside at the moment because um, we are in the middle of the second lockdown. Um, what do you think we've lost with the separation from being more in nature and feeling part of it instead of it being a separate thing that you visit on the weekend? I think we've lost, definitely lost that that connection. Um, I'm, I'm, I like to think that because of lockdown and because of the, the sort of the pandemic and everything like that, that people have a new respect for the outdoors they've 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 come to realize that how how the outdoors is so important for them um and i think people have maybe realized that their everyday life whether they're they're, they're moving through nature going through um, going through a park on the way to work or something like that that it might have just been an experience where they um they don't truly appreciate the power of that experience or anything like that um and now sitting indoors looking out of your window and, and not being able to go into the outdoors or spend a night in the outdoors, you know, I think it's just it's just given that newfound respect to how important it is to us. So I think on like a DNA level, like a subconscious mm -hmm. DNA level. And I, I also, um, I've, I've got a friend who works in trends and she was saying that the search for tomato seeds and vegetable seeds and everything like that has gone through the roof. And also the, to the most basic thing of people searching for allotments um, and, and how to buy an allotment. And what that's telling me is that people want to reconnect back to the earth in a different way. And I think we have to go through these experiences like I did in the Marines. We have to go through these um, tough experiences where we have to take a step back and rethink things like lockdown. Um, and we're exposed, really exposed as people to ourselves and decisions that we've made and the jobs that we do and the relationships that we're in. Um, and I think one of those lessons that we're learning is how much we love the outdoors and how much we need the outdoors so is that where the idea for the life coaching outside has come from yeah so the the life coaching outside really was a opportunity to allow people to kind of walk and talk i've always found that that that, that if, if you're face-to-face -face coaching that's a fantastic experience it's a fantastic medium of talking to someone and helping someone and helping someone uncover their goals and their dreams and their passions etc but walking and talking shoulder to shoulder and then walking in nature through a real wild space and sitting on a log listening to the birds or um, just discussing in a wild place discussing whatever it is that we're there to talk about i think it just induces like a really really interesting conversation and again, I think that the, 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 the lesson and the main key thing about all of this is it's the lack of stimulation, the, the, the emails and all of our senses being pulled outwards on a usual basis. When you go into that wild space and we're walking and talking or we're sitting and talking, it definitely being in that wild place, it almost, it's almost like you, you put yourself in this beautiful natural bubble 
and that lack of stimulation and 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 it just allows you to talk and be creative and um, and I think a lot be, be a lot more vulnerable and a lot more open. We're kind of talking there about you know a nice woodland setting with the sun kind of coming through the leaves and that kind of thing, but nature is is not a predictable thing. Um, so, how does that factor into the human experience? Do you think and, and vulnerability? And I'm I'll just put that in context context in that I used to swim in the sea and go to the beach in a bikini to get a tan, and now I surf and I swim swim during winter, and that has turned nature into something very different for me because if I go in without any knowledge of what's happening in the water it's really dangerous and I'm wondering um like there is the element of unpredictability which feeds into being forced to make yourself vulnerable in a frightening environment um and I'm just wondering how that works in the context of what you're saying you know is there any particular benefit from putting yourself in a kind of a more challenging situation yeah, yeah, I think, you know, if there's no challenge, there's no growth. I think we we can, if if we if we don't challenge ourselves or push ourselves out, whether it's a mental comfort zone, a physical comfort zone, I truly believe there's no growth. So I think it should be done where you mitigate risk and you you don't make silly decisions and and try crazy things. Um, but I think pushing yourself in any format is, is a, is a great thing, you know, like uncovering that you will uncover things about yourself, what you're capable of. Um, and doing that in nature is actually quite an easy thing. Um, and easy? whether, sorry, how, how is it easy? Cause I think nature's quite scary. <laughs> it is, yeah, it can be scary, but I think if you're in the outdoors, you can push yourself by going for a walk in a new place, learning a new skill. Um, when we're allowed to going camping um, and pushing yourselves, you know, like like that's that sleeping under canvas in a new place, um, experience a new climate, maybe a hot climate, cold climate, um, and yeah, I think I think the benefits of adventure and the outdoors just go way beyond way beyond just the physical. You know, for me, it's like a massive spiritual journey, um, and because at the same time, you're not. It's not just about you and your journey it's about everything around you and i think when you go on adventure and you spend time outdoors you're 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 pulling sort of your awareness out of yourself and you're learning about everything around you the connection between everything around you and also the connection to people to nature and that's to me is the most beautiful thing um, because i think if you understand nature you understand the workings of the outdoors and the relationships you ultimately understand yourself um because in the outdoors, an example, in a, in, a, in a woodland, you know, everything is working together. Trees, different trees, different species, fungi, a completely different thing to a tree is working underground. It's connected to a tree and it's doing all the hard work and it's helping the trees. And then one tree, which is a completely different species, is helping another tree. So I love that metaphor because it's a metaphor for life. You know, regardless of where we're from, what we believe in, what religion, where we where we're from geographically, you know, we, we all need to work together to help the, sort of the, the sort of the, the bigger picture. The human ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, it does seem like a particularly important message right now. Yeah, definitely. You've mentioned adventure, and I noticed um, on your Instagram you use the word wild, the word wild, quite a lot, including obviously in your wild book. So, what what is wild to you? Mm. um that's a pretty good question no one's asked me that before wild is i would say it's a ancient woodland it's a it's a 
open landscape um, is something that not necessarily untouched, but it's something that is being allowed to sort of flourish and um, exist in its most natural state. Um, and you can find that in a woodland next to your house. You can find that in a field. You know, wild isn't in its kind of sense like Alaska or parts of Scotland or, or, or anywhere in the world, you know, like the, the jungle. But yes, they are wild. But you do not need to go to those extents to find a wild place. You know, I really don't believe that. And also, I think a wild to me is a place where you can go and just for that moment in time, just detach and feel like you are detached from the outside world, all that overstimulation and those pressures and those sort of social expectations. And you can go into a, it can be a tiny pocket of woodland and you can sit there at the base of a tree and just look around you and, and see that this is wild. This has been allowed to flourish and grow in its own way. Um, and that to me is wild. Do you think, cause you've sort of talked about the way it calms humans being in a wild environment. Does, do you think it activates a part of us as well? Yes, definitely. I, th- I think there's something within us, that, like I said before, like in a, a DNA level, um, where we truly need and want to be in the outdoors. And I think walking in the out, walking in nature in any capacity, the sounds, the smells, the sensations, like the visceral moments and feelings that you feel, I do think that definitely activates something in the soul. And, um, and there has never been a person that I've met that says nature or walking in nature doesn't induce that it it, it it every person that i've met says they feel calmer more relaxed more present um more energized you know it's 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 a beautiful thing to be in nature and to move in nature i'm just gonna read something to you that i'm gonna quote your own instagram at you basically <laughs> Uh, because one of your posts you've quoted one of my favorite books which is um, women who run with the wolves mm-hmm. um, and you've got this quote which is um Bone by bone, hair by hair, wild woman comes back through night dreams, through events half understood and half remembered. What made you connect with that? Um, I connected with that book purely because um, on an expedition I did in 2016 uh, in Alaska, I was with a uh, a lady who was a canoeist on the boat with me, on the canoe, sorry. And she was from Montreal. And she had that book and she read that book. um, And... I think it was afterwards we met in Brittany and she had the, I think I bought her the book and a different version of that book for her. And she read that and I read some of the quotes in it. And I just thought some of them were absolutely beautiful. And she was as wild as, as they get, you know, a climber, trail runner, canoeist, everything. And that, I think that quote was inspired by her and some of the quotes and some of the passages I read from that book reminded me of her um, and her spirit. And I love that. And that's something that, you know, in, in times when I don't feel confident and or at times where I am vulnerable, um, I do think of her sometimes and what she would do and some, sometimes the quotes from that book. Is this connection to nature, did you pick that up while you were in the military? Because maybe this is a massive generalisation, but it seems quite unusual for someone to come out of such a very structured male environment and, and start talking about souls and you know, not not go back into a sort of heavily armed job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's not something that you're, it's not something that you're taught. It's, it's what in the Marines, the, the outdoors is, is a, um, it's a place that you operate. 
obviously. Um, and you're taught to be comfortable in the outdoors and with the conditions that come with it. That's what you're taught. For me, I was, I've always been um, a writer, photographer, like but well before the Marines. I was writing poetry when I was nine years old. So I've always been that kind of person where uh, I'm an introvert at heart. And that was something that, yeah, going back to vulnerability, that was something that I had to really, was hard for me to accept. But now I truly accept it and I love myself for it. But um, yeah, the uh, I've, I've been that kind of inward thinker and ponderer since I can remember. So... Um, How did you protect it, though, in such a, an environment where it doesn't sound like it was that welcome? Um, I guess it was something that I always kept a secret. <laughs> it was something that I was shy about. I used to be embarrassed about writing poetry or writing or having that outlook on life. But it was when I would write, if, say, for instance, I would go wild camping or I'd do a long hike or something like that, and then I'd write about it for um, myself or I'd write about it for a magazine, that would then be my outlet for that style of thinking and that way of expressing myself. And at that point with the writing, that was the only way I could express myself in that way because it, I found it difficult to be vulnerable and for other people to know that I was this sensitive being and I was a sensitive soul and I thought about, you know, beautiful romantic things in life or whatever, you know. Um, but I think everybody, every guy is like that to some degree. They just maybe not have the courage to address it and um, accept it maybe because they're worried of what people will think or they're worried about being vulnerable. Well, we're kind of taught that it's weakness, you know, anything that's mm. remotely been tagged as feminine um, isn't weak, isn't sort of what you want to be if you are a real man kind of thing. And there's so mm. much problematic stuff in there as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not even a man. Um, <laughs> so if someone felt like you, because I think, like you said, a lot of men do, a lot of men have this, like, how do you encourage vulnerability in someone who is getting all these messages that, you know, you need to be hard, you need to be without emotions, you know, you can't connect to writing poetry and stuff like that and be acceptable to your, you know, to society as a man. What would you say? What would you say to yourself? Let's do that. What, what would you say to that yourself when you were in the Marines and you were writing poetry? <laughs> I'll probably make a sarcastic comment to some degree. <laughs> but um, no, I am. I would say, like, li listen to your sort of your intuition um, and sort of surrender to your intuition. I think the surrendering is the tough part because there's so involve? many. Pardon? What does that involve? Because surrender is quite a powerful word. Yeah, surrender. I think it's giving in. No, maybe not even giving in because you're not giving in. I don't believe you're giving in to anything. It's more of acknowledging that you are a certain person with certain feelings and being open and honest and accepting that that's who you are. And no matter what environment, whether you're a marine or whether you're a you know, you know, in a very male-dominated sort of job or role or hype, you know, I think it's acknowledging that who you are as a person and understanding what that means what that exactly is and then they're not being afraid to show it um and that nowadays um when i kind of accepted that i was an introvert um in the marines when you're in an incredibly macho job um where guys you tend to get into that role and into that job because you've got the physical attributes and then you become confident um and that that kind of extrovert 
personality is quite common in that job. So to be someone like me who does enjoy my own time, does enjoy nature um, and, and being on my own in nature, et cetera, et cetera, that was a hard thing to acknowledge and then say, yes, I am this person, and then get to the point where I have to say, I'm happy being that person um, because it's not what's expected. And that's the tough part. It's, it's, it's um, accepting that you're not fitting that social norm within that role. Um, so I would probably just say to myself, just be easy on yourself. And, you know, just sit back and think about what makes you happy and who you are as a person and just do definitely do not be afraid to express that. Because when you, I think when you express that, you just connect you, when you're vulnerable, you just connect with so many people, so many more people, rather than if you were just being brave and sticking your chest out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, vulnerability is a strength. Nowadays, I truly believe vulnerability is a strength. So you kind of mentioned brave there. In contrast to vulnerability, how do you see courage? Um, courage. My definition of courage is, you know, still acting in the face of fear or still moving forward in the face of fear and talking in the when you're in, you know, you're, you, you know, you're stuck or something like that. You know, courage to me is standing up when and and, and speaking and speaking from the heart when others others won't. Yeah, it's it's a difficult word to try and explain, really, because everyone's going to have their own nuances on that and their own sort of interpretations of that. But yeah, definitely mine is still speaking and still expressing yourself authentically in the face of fear. Apparently, the original uh, Latin word is it, that it comes from, the root of it, is telling the story of who you are with your whole heart, which is kind mm. of quite close to what you just said. Um, and I was just wondering if you think that maybe heroism and courage have become a bit confused. So like we always, we look at superheroes and we're like, oh, they're so courageous, you know, and you, you've got to be doing these big things and taking these huge risks. And whereas actually just standing up and being yourself could be a courageous act in itself. Yeah, without, without a doubt, that is the case, I believe. Um, because I think to face yourself, your true self is the hardest thing of all. So to look inward and say, yes, I am this person, is 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 very difficult in a world where people are saying look like this be like this you should do this job you need to have children at this age or you need to be doing that you know it's it's we're taught to exist by other people's sort of standards and we just become confused and i think that's where all that self-conflict comes from people you know people struggle with who they are and i think it, it it's one of the most courageous things to do is to really do the inner work and work out who you are and then live to that live to that standard of your, what you have of yourself no matter who you are what you believe in your gender um where you want to be in the world who you want to be it's courage is living to that i believe so what's the inner work oh, crikey that's a big question um the inner work is <laughs> yeah the inner work i think is knowing your boundaries understanding your boundaries, um, understanding what you believe in, what you stand for, um, what you want, what you don't want, um, and just getting clear getting clear on stuff like that. I think it, inner work in its most simplest form is just understanding really, you know, truly what makes you tick and, being, and having the courage to sort of follow that. Um, reading, taking some time away, having some, you know, introspective thought about what makes you happy, what makes you sad. Um, and... It, and for me, I think that inner work was, yeah, I think it was to do with boundaries for me um, and understanding where my boundaries were. 
I'd actually quite like to go back to creativity because you mentioned that. And mm-hmm. I'm a writer, also doing these podcasts, various other things. I find that creativity makes me feel more vulnerable than almost anything else other than being in the sea. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so how, what's the connection here? Because I think, again, I'm going to quote one of your Instagram posts at you. Um, one of your captions was, creativity never sleeps. Yes. So for me, I, I see creativity for me is my greatest form of expression, whether it's writing, photography, films, anything like that. Um, and my mind never when it comes to creative stuff, my mind never sleeps. And, and that's what that comment meant. It's, it's the, I have dreams. I come up with musical melodies in my dreams. Um, I've come up with film scripts and narratives and film ideas and things like that as dreams. And I've woken up at four in the morning and written them down on the toilet. Yeah, for me, it's, um, it's an expression. It's an outlet. Um, and it's probably the greatest kind of, other than the physical sort of, my physical world in terms of how I move my body is one of my my greatest loves creativity and it's you know my passion and a curse at the same time because like I say it never sleeps and it's always creeping in and handing me things and then disappearing but being in nature I think induces that that experience you know where it's going back to that stimulation thing again it's the where there's overstimulation I think I'm at my my least creative and when there's a lack of stimulation i.e just the outside world I think it allows stuff in but photography now is is my creative, you know, is my is my outlet. Um, but even that I struggle with sometimes because you see other people doing amazing things photographically, photographically or from the written sort of perspective, and then you always have that element of self doubt of Am I doing the right thing? Is my work good enough? So how um, do you how do you overcome that? Because I, I find that that can stop creativity in its tracks. Definitely, um, you, there's always with creativity. There's always this, I believe, and I can only speak from my perspective. There's this, there's a the self-sabotage where my work isn't good enough. It's not as good as them. Um, it's not as different as theirs or as creative as theirs. Um, but what I've come to sort of accept is that my unique viewpoint, whether it's via writing or by uh, photography, is what makes it unique. And is it? And that's what makes it my expression, and that's what ultimately will make it different. And and the thing that I re- that really moved me forward was, firstly, be able to be able to reach out and ask for criticism or feedback, um, and then working with that feedback, shaping it, looking at the positives, and moving, keep moving forward, and keep sort of adapting and growing, and sort of just chiseling away and just making that making it as the best as you can. But also not taking uh, the feedback personally um, in the early days someone would comment on a picture or comment on what I've written and say you've used too many adjectives or your picture looks a bit like this person's picture and in the end it was the best thing I ever did was learn to just say thank you and um, not use that criticism to just destroy the process um, and, and, and and make me stop doing it um, and and yeah it was that was one of the best things that I could do was just to let go of the feedback and just take it on board and, and adapt and keep moving. To be able to do that, you must have nurtured a belief that what you're creating has inherent value. Yeah, and that that value comes from my belief in the work, I think. It doesn't come from an external source. I think a lot of people look for that external validation on their work to make them feel good about it. Me, I don't. I, 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 I 
trust my judgment in the projects that I take on. I, I only take on projects that I really feel like quite drawn to and quite passionate about. Um, I like to work with people and, and speak to people that, you know, are on the, not so much on the same path, but they, they have something interesting to share and, and, and inspiring to share and that are positive sort of forward thinking people. And, but it's hard. Yeah. It's, it, it's hard to look at your own work and, um, and be happy with it sometimes. I think it's it's that whole kind of thing is, is it good enough? Am I good enough? Is the work good enough? But deep down, I think that if I feel passionate and inspired about it, then that's all that matters. So do you have any other expeditions coming up or is it all about the house now? Uh, no, I've got an expedition next year that was supposed to be this year, which is in Australia. Um, and that was going to be working with an Aborigine community. And we was going to do a big... Um, walk through an Aboriginal, through an island, crossing an island with some Aboriginal people um, and talking about, uh, so the people we brought with us, we were going to um, discover um, or we we're going to uncover rock paintings that never been photographed before um, and also walk along a, a, a spiritual route that connects two Aboriginal communities together and reconnect the people of that region to that route. Um, so that was supposed to be in August this year, but obviously for obvious reasons, um, yeah. I got cancelled and then shipped, shift off to next year. But you're doing it next year. Yeah. That sounds yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be an epic journey. Um, and it's, it's just one of those journeys where again, it's, it's not about me and my, um, journey through that. It, it is to some degree, but it's about other people. It's about other people's connection to the landscape connection to history to culture to spirituality um and connection to history and traditions um and i you know i come from a, a background where my dad was very much into archaeology native cultures and stuff like that and in our childhood home there was lots of artifacts and inuit carvings and all sorts of stuff so i have a real um passionate connection to Cult people, culture, and landscape, and how they kind of intertwine. So, if anyone wants, anyone listening to this wants to get inspired, where's the best place for them to see what you've done? Uh, I have two websites, so uh, www.ianefinch.com, and then all of the nature-based outdoor stuff, so walks, wild camping, uh, nature-based life coaching, navigation classes, can be at walkwild.co.uk. So the thing that I'm asking people to do at the end of this is to sum up with one note on vulnerability, sort of what's your message where vulnerability is concerned? I would say believe that vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. And don't be afraid to look inward and ask yourself some hard questions and go places that you might not want to go because um, those places are where the gold is, in my opinion. Um, and just do not be afraid to be who you are and who you believe that you are. And don't be afraid to show that to the world. Okay, well, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And you, thank you for your time.